that song. Well, Michelle is back. I'm so glad that she's back from her trip in the Congo. So um, we started the year off. In fact, we had talked about it. I kind of tried to do maybe a little interview with her. We started out with Luke 10, verse 2, the beginning of the year. I don't even think the beginning of the year you knew you were going yet. And it, it says the harvest, or Jesus said to them, the harvest is great. But the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth. Oh, you got a bunch of things up here. To send forth labors into his harvest. So when you were growing up, did you pray to the Lord to send you to the Congo? <laughs> I don't think I knew what the Congo was. <laughs> so one of the things, back to have a picture to show up, you know, nowadays with our phones, she had unlimited texting. So when you're able to text at the different times that you can text, you only feel like she's up in the mountains. So I did a image one night just to kind of picture, and I forget what time it was, but you know, you had me there in California and then somewhere in the dark, you know, was Michelle and you see this picture and you think, oh my goodness, she really is 9,000 or whatever miles, you know, miles away and we're still able to communicate. You know, when uh, a couple years ago, we went to a missions conference and they showed us this image of Africa because I don't think we get the picture of Africa like that it's shown. Now, that one might be hard to see. In there is the United States. Uh, you have China. You have India. I believe it's uh, England. It's a massive, massive country. In fact, many of our maps, because they're flat, you don't necessarily get to see the size of it and so one of the things that we had to look up when it, they said the congo we didn't realize there's two parts of the congo so there's the one part that's called the republic of the congo and that point north is where michelle was and then the larger part is the democratic republic of the congo because we heard hey do you know that the ebola has broken out well part of that was in the democratic uh, republic of the congo so she was in that northern uh, part up there so talk to us a little bit how you got invited because it wasn't on even our radar this year of doing a trip talk about how you got invited in the process of what the lord was doing in your heart first of all i want to say it is good to be home it's good to be home and to thank you for sending me i went um, on your behalf First and foremost, on the Lord's behalf, but I went on behalf of the Hills Church. And when I had the opportunity to speak, I shared with them that you sent me, and I shared with them about our different congregations, English, Chinese, Gypsy, and Spanish, and ACF. And I told them that each congregation was praying for that conference and for them. And I cannot tell you the reception I received um, them hearing that. So thank you very much. It was, um, actually it was the end of last year. We uh, met with Linus and Maureen, who um, are over ACF, which is African Christian Fellowship, that meets here monthly. And uh, we have begun a relationship with Linus and Maureen, Walter and I, and uh, just have, you know, as we've built the relationship, we've become friends and we've become ministry partners. And they asked the end of last year if I would think about going on this trip. 
and it was for a women's conference. Maureen and another um, lady who some of you might know, um, a gentleman who actually considers the Hills Church his church. He attends when he is in the States. His name is Edit George. He is from Adonai Ministries in Nigeria, who I got to meet while I was at the conference. Um, him and his wife, Anne, um, they're the ones that have started Medical Missions, ACF partners with them. And Anne and Maureen, I think it was about seven years ago, started doing women's conferences in the Central Republic of Africa. And um, last November, Anne um, moved to heaven and uh, she had cancer and she uh, passed away and she told Maureen, she said, do not stop doing these conferences for women. We want the women instructed. We want them to be taught who they are in Christ, lay a biblical foundation for their life, who they are in their home, who they are as um, women in society, who they are as pastor's wives or leaders in their church or society. And so Maureen said, this will be the first year I'm doing this without Anne. Will you go with me? And I, at first I was kind of stunned. And I thought, okay, Lord, are you asking me to do this? I know Maureen's asking me, but are you asking me to do this? And at the end of the day, I knew that he was. And uh, so I accepted the invitation and it, the invitation came from Maureen, but we still needed to receive an invitation from the country, from the people in the country, the pastor in the country who was asking us to come, that you have to have that in order to get your visa. And so I accepted the invitation, and we would have, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, on Saturday mornings, several, um, for several weeks leading up to um, our departure, we would have phone conference meetings on the phone, and they were brief talking and lots of praying. We would pray a lot in the spirit, and we would pray a lot in our understanding leading up to this conference because um, they knew more about what we were getting into than I did. I had no clue except for what they had shared with me. I had, outside of going to Italy in April, I had never traveled the world and certainly had never stepped foot in Africa. And so it was, um, was eye-opening, um, spiritually um, eye-opening, and um, I'm grateful that we spent time in prayer leading up to it. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the culture, because culture is so different too, and we're used to certain things in the U.S., and so you get off the plane and you go into a whole different culture, and so what do you observe? How do you act, respond? Well, the first thing that I encountered getting off the plane, well, on the plane from LA to Paris, we had a layover in um, France at that airport. About four hours from Paris, I started getting sick. And I thought, Lord, whatever is going on, this needs to get taken care of really quick. My head started pounding, my stomach was really upset, and I thought, is this just nerves, you know? that picture of how far I was and how far my family was going to be, I thought, you know, is it, is it just all that? And um, I ended up uh, having, I, I was reaching for the barf bag, and there was no barf bag. And so I reached for the pillow and took the pillow out of the pillowcase. And uh, 
the least everything that needed to come out. And uh, you put the pillow back and then put it back. No, <laughs> that's what you do. I walked my way to the back and I handed them the pillowcase, oh. and he just looked at me and I said, "I'm really sorry, but you didn't have any bark pads in the seat pocket in front of me." <laughs> and so um, he he kind of took it like this, and but uh, I was able to text on the plane and I text Walt and I said, I am not feeling good, something's not right. And uh, sure enough, I think between nerves and um, the malaria meds, I started the malaria meds that day. And you're supposed to take it on a full stomach. Well, I thought my protein bar would be quite enough. And uh, the protein bar was not quite enough. And so every day we had a full meal so that I could take those meds. But um, I get to, to the layover, we're there a couple hours, back on the plane, we get into Point North, Congo. Get off the plane and we're greeted by all these people. Wonderful, they greet you at the airport, they take you back to the airport, they stay till you are safe and secure on the flight. We get there and they take us through what they call their VIP customs. Now, it's not VIP like you and I would know VIP, but it's some room and we go there and um, they stop us. There was another group that was off to a corner that I had found out while we were waiting. They were a missions group going there to do missions at an orphanage, Christians. And we get stopped as well. And the customs agent is asking for our letter of invitation. Well, I was not speaking because clearly I don't know what I'm supposed to say or not say. So I let Maureen, who was leading the group, her do all the talking. And the letter of invitation gets sent, it got sent to DC when we were requesting our visas. And the letter of invitation does not get sent back. We don't need that, all we need is our visa and our passport. And so she was explaining that to him. Well, he was not having it. He was giving us a bit of a difficult time. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, I did not fly all this way to get stuck here and get back on a plane to go home. And so I just began to pray in the spirit under my breath, thanking the Lord that we were getting through here. And in the midst of this conversation, this probably went on for about an hour, Maureen at some point said that I was a pastor and the other lady that was with us was a pastor. And so this banter kept going on, kept going on. And um, I remembered I had a copy of the letter of invitation in my email. So I pulled it up and I showed it to him. He still wasn't satisfied. I kept praying. And then for some unapparent reason outside of I know the Lord, he just looked at us and said, fine, go through. And letting us go through meant he had to leave, let the other group go through because he was holding them for the same reason. And so we're walking and I get this tap on the shoulder and I turn around and it's this customs agent and he could speak English and he says, pastor. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> oh no pray for me and I said oh I will I will and he he said something else I didn't quite catch it and I said you mean now and he said yes I said okay here we go and I laid my hand in the middle of his chest and I began to pray in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus father I thank you that you are ordering his steps. Father, I thank you that you are bringing people into his life 
to minister to him, that you are bringing people across his path to introduce Jesus to him. And I just kept going on and on, and he's just standing there, like, unmoved. I wrapped up the prayer, smiled, said, thank you. He said, thank you. And we went on our way, and I was like, what the heck just <laughs> happened? What just happened here? Why didn't they ask Maureen to pray? Why me? Only Jesus knows. I don't know if he was mocking me. You know what? I really don't even care if he was mocking me. The fact of the matter is he was laid hands on and Jesus was spoken. And you know what? That's all that mattered. And I walked out of there saying, welcome to Congo, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got back to my room that night. It was late. I got back to my room and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything hit me. Everything. And I could feel this pit in my stomach. Like, Lord, what in the world do you have me here for? Why me? And what on earth do I have to say? What do you have to say through me that's going to make any difference? I don't look like anybody here. I'm the only one. What do you want to say? I called Walt because I was just crying in my room because I thought, I, Lord, I need you now like I've never needed you before. And I called Walt and I told him all of this and I said, I need you to pray what I need you to pray now over me. I need Jesus to show up in a way I haven't known before. And he did. Walt prayed and prayed and prayed over me till I literally felt the thing break because I needed something to break. Because I knew it was the enemy just trying to mess with me. I had not been messed with like that ever to that degree. And um, I needed to be prayed over. He did, and it broke. And I was so grateful. And I could feel, you know, this, uh, this fire, this, this like strength being poured back in. And I could feel myself like... My shoulders being squared back like, okay, Jesus, we got this. As long as you're with me, we got this. If you don't go with me, I ain't doing this. And so, um, and I had a prayer team praying over me and praying over that conference for weeks leading up to it. And so I had texted a bunch of them and just said, I need you to pray, da-da-da-da-da. And so... The Lord was good. He showed up, and we went on our way. And uh, as far as culture goes, it is, I sent him a picture the next day. We went to what is considered, I told him it was the mall. And uh, it is the marketplace. Do we have a picture of that, Madison? Um, that's one of the pictures I said, I said that was the mall. And then is there another one? That This at the mall, they, that's their food court. And... Uh, that's plantains, though. That's the food court. Um, and, and that's the beauty shop. Right there in the middle of it, it they get their hair done right there. And um, as we walked a bit around, this was in another area, there was this gentleman, and he was making baskets. Beautiful, beautiful baskets. I brought back a couple, and this was one of them. 
we just got there and it was, it's different. And yet on the other hand, I felt completely at ease and at peace walking around there. I had Maureen with me and we also had an interpreter because they speak French. So I could not communicate. And so, uh, and they just see, they see, uh, they could see Maureen coming and be, she could be fine. They see me coming and they're like, yeah, <laughs> we can take her for a ride. So uh, I kept my friends close and uh, we, oh, this was, this was the nail shop. Um, do, do you see the table with all the nail polishes? She was getting a pedicure and when I got this picture, I remember walking away and it hit me again on um, Wednesday when I actually went to my nail shop to get my nails done. It hit me like a ton of bricks. That, and I came home and I asked Walt, this is a third world country. There's no getting around it, it is third world. And they are happy, they enjoy their life. And who am I to tell them any different? Who am I? And I, I certainly didn't, but I thought, we here take so much for granted. So much for granted. Even just the amenities, the extras. And uh, when I would brush my teeth at night, I never brushed my teeth under using the faucet. I went through bottles and bottles of water. If you brushed using a water bottle. We take so much for granted that we do not, we can't even comprehend that life looks so different, so different. And so this was, that is a luxury. And um, she was getting her nails done and she was getting her eyebrows done. And I thought, wow. We just don't get it, ladies. We could be sitting on the side of the road getting our, our toes done, and you know, we go to some posh store and we're getting our backs massaged as we're getting, you know, our nails and our toes done. We don't really have a clue, a clue. Go ahead, Madison. This was in the marketplace. We were um, buying fabric. The lady in the green and the yellow is, she was the pastor's wife of the network of churches that we were a part of. Um, he and his wife have planted 30 churches. So that was his wife, um, and uh, what we would call her Mama Pastor Cherie. That was Mama Pastor Cherie. And um, this was every day driving to church. This is what we would drive in. There are no um, laws, no traffic laws, no street lights. You just made your way. <laughs> and there are no roads or street, you know, um, lanes. You made your own lane. <laughs> and I went, my bed, my bedroom at the hotel faced towards the outside. And I went to bed every night hearing horns because horns honk 24 seven. <laughs> and every one of those cars is banged up because you, you swipe each other and nobody stops. We got swiped once, nobody stopped. You just keep going. 
So I told myself, and I reminded myself this morning on the way to church, Michelle, you told yourself you would not complain about the traffic in California. Ever again. How, how, how quickly we forget, I had to remind myself. And then, so that was on the Saturday. On the Sunday, uh, the three of us, there was four of us on a team, three of us arrived by the um, weekend, and uh, we were each asked to go and speak in a different church. And I told Maureen, that's Maureen in the black and the white, that I, um, I would choose to go with her rather than to go on my own because I was unfamiliar with my surroundings. And um, I did not know anybody, so I chose to uh, decline speaking on the Sunday, um, and I went with her. So we went, so I could kind of get the lay of the land and feel my way out. I went with Maureen. Maureen spoke, and this was Dr. Maxine and his wife, Judith. So we were in their church on Sunday morning. Um, he is the gentleman that planted the 30 churches. This would be considered his spiritual son, and he pastors um, a nice-sized congregation. And when the um, main pastor finally retires, Dr. Maxine will be the one that takes over the network of 30 churches. Um, in his church that Sunday, uh, we're sitting there, and the roofs there are like um, sheet metal, you know, like that rippled sheet metal. And... Um, there, it wasn't all covered. So a lot of it was open. And then they also had a balcony that went around and there was no railing. There were families up there with kids and so, and the worship there, I mean, they worship and they dance around. So you needed railing up there. <laughs> and uh, they were, they're very excited. They love Jesus. They are passionate about the word and passionate about worship praise and worship. And so during the service, they did a baby dedication. And I thought this was so interesting. They called the mom forward. She brought the baby and the pastor raised the baby to the Lord and they prayed over the baby. But then people were bringing as an offering for the family, they were bringing jugs and jugs of water. They were laying them at the, the foot of the platform and they brought other things as an offering to bless and to be able to help care for that mom and baby. Then I found out that they started in an orphanage and that they care for, um, I think it was, uh, gosh, I can't remember, maybe 20 kids, orphans, and they clothe them, take care of them, have a home for them. They were, they are doing a great work in Point North and uh, it was on the way to their church. I was, uh, I'm in this car and I'm watching everything as we're driving by and on the side of a building. Call it for you. I see that and I'm on Maureen. That's our poster. And the gentleman in the car saw, oh yeah, we have those all around the city announcing the conference. I said, what? This was all over the city. And I, I didn't have time to, because I wasn't expecting to see it, pull out my phone to get a picture. So on our way back to the hotel, where I didn't tell them, oh, I want to get a picture. I just was stamping it as we drove by. And they saw that I was taking a picture. Well, they stopped. Well, when we stopped, there was a gentleman outside. He had no idea we had even stopped. 
there was a gentleman outside and he was looking, I don't know if I have that picture, but he was looking at the poster and the Lord spoke so clearly to me. And I don't believe it's just for me. I believe it's for you sitting here today. You have no idea where Jesus is going to take you. You have no idea the things he already has planned and prepared for you before the foundations of the earth for you to walk in. And as I stood there that day, I was like, Lord, did you already see this in your head before I saw this today? Because I would have never, ever guessed. I tell people pretty regularly when I get to share about this thing that I do called comfort in a box. Um, I'm just a chick that was raised in Whittier, California, that was so glad to be done with high school, that tried her thing at that college thing, and was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'll go get a full-time job, you know, and regret it every day of my life that I did not finish college. But somehow or another, God saw fit to say, I've chosen you to do things that you never saw. And that day, seeing that out there in Africa, Jesus wants you to know this morning that he has things in store for you that you don't even have a clue about. And yet the story has been written, and you know what? The page is going to turn, and you're going to go, oh my goodness, Lord, you've got me on the best ride ever. Um, so that was the church we were at on Sunday. Um, Show the video of the worship. This was at the main church. I, uh, and that was tame. I chose that video because I wanted you to be able to see um, the, the congregation. On, at, in the evening, that's where we, did, we had the conference. In the evening, there was between seven and 800 people. And when praise and worship would go, that was tame. They would get so excited. And we danced. And danced. And danced. And there were a few times that they pulled me in <laughs> up to the front and we danced and we had hankies, <laughs> you know, and I had a scarf one day and you know, we were doing all this and they were videoing everything. I don't have those videos yet. I'll get them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, there are a few. But when I, when I got to speak on in the evening, the first evening, um, I had a, the first time I spoke, I had with me, I keep it in my Bible, I have this, right here, I keep pictures of uh, 
deserve Christmas cards, but uh, my family. Walter calls my Bible a file, file cabinet. cabinet, but in my file cabinet, I had this. And so when I went up to speak, I, I introduced everybody to my family, you know, Walter, Madison, and Maverick. And, um, and I told them about you guys. And I said, my church is not going to know what hit them when we start praise and worship and it's rocking like this. I said, because they're not used to this. And I said, and I've learned to dance. I said, I got no rhythm, but I've learned to <laughs> dance. And I did a jig for them. They were laughing so hard, so hard. I probably looked like a fool, and they probably thought, this white girl don't know how to dance. <laughs> but you know what? It was fun. We had a great time. And I am telling you, if we had just an inch of the passion they bring to their praise and worship, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. Nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it. Oh, yeah, there's the jig. Yeah. There I was you were the jig. Off. That's what I looked like. There was the jig. Yeah. The yeah, see, I don't even look like I have rhythm. This was the team I was with. The, the yellow and green is the main pastor's wife, Mama Pastor Sharif. And then Maureen, um, many here are familiar with Maureen and her husband, Linus. The gal in the yellow, her name is Joelle. And then the other lady is Pauline, Dr. Pauline. And Pauline and her husband pastor a Nigerian church in L.A. Joelle is a missionary, full-time missionary. She's never married, um, has filled called two missions. And uh, it was a joy and a privilege to be able to minister with them. They are, uh, they have traveled the world, and uh, they brought this newbie along for the ride. Um, they, oh, that was at the hotel. The, the manager of the hotel, he, he, loved, um, he loved us, and he brought his new little one to uh, meet us. And uh, she was adorable. And th this was the last night of the conference. And it went late that night. We did a lot of ministry. Um, a couple nights we did a lot of ministry. That particular night there was a lot, a lot of ministry that happened. And um, I was walking out down the center aisle and all of a sudden I get this little hand grabbing my hand. And I turn around, it was this little girl. Her name is Rachel. And um, that's Rachel's brother, Landre. And uh, Rachel asked if, uh, she only spoke French. And so she started talking to me. And so I called for the interpreter and she came over and uh, Rachel looked at me and she said, um, can I take a picture with you? And I said, of course. I was bent down and I was talking just to her. And I said, of course. Well, um, the pastor's wife came over because she saw us talking and she wanted to communicate with me. And so she told me that Rachel and her brother um, lost their dad a few months ago. He had died suddenly of a heart attack, and he was an elder in their church. And the church had been caring for her and her brother and um, their young mom. Well, I was already wrecked by um, her just wanting to get a picture and grabbing my hand. But then when the pastor's wife had told me that, I was like, Lord, I'm a crier. Can we just hold back the tears? I don't want to cry all the time. 
And so we got a picture and I told Rachel that I was going to print that picture and put it up in my house because I never wanted to forget her face. And I told the church that too. I told them I had been taking lots of pictures because I never want to forget their faces. I never want to forget the face of the women. Is there, Madison, are there pictures of the pastor's wives? Um, it was the, the group of pastors. Um, Maybe not. Um, I never wanted to forget the, look, the faces of the pastor's wives and women leaders because we would have workshops every day and they would ask all kinds of questions. Is it really okay for a woman to speak in church? Is it really okay for her to do this? Is it really okay, there they all are. Is it really okay to, um, to lead? What about in our home doing this, that, or the other? And just sharing with them what the Bible says, that Jesus doesn't see, you know, Jew or Greek, male or female. He's called us all. He's called us all to share the good news. And whether we share the good news outside the four walls of the church or inside the four walls of the church, he's called us all to share the good news. And just to see their eyes just begin to twinkle and begin their, their minds just begin to grasp and see the Lord begin to pour into them wisdom from the word that they hadn't known before. I never want to forget their faces. And so... Um, those ladies were um, pastors' wives and leaders in not just the 30 churches, but there were churches that came from outside of the 30 in the network. Um, one of the things that happened, oh gosh, on the Saturday night, we were told earlier that day that um, we had been asked to do a radio spot. Sam, I might give you some competition. Um, they, uh, they asked us to do a radio spot um, to come in and share about what the conference was for and to speak. And so there were four of us there, and um, we obviously had to be interpreted. But over the airwaves of Point North in the Congo there, I got to tell them that the Bible says in Jeremiah 29:11, I have a plan and a purpose for you a future and a hope, plans for good and not for evil. He wants to bless them and to invite them to come out to hear about the plan that God has for their life. And I left that night in awe again, kind of like with the poster going, Jesus, what exactly are you doing? Not just with me, but with us here at the Hills Church. Because I don't feel like Michelle just went. I feel like the Hills Church went to Point North. And that he picked up our stakes and he moved them a bit. And he's doing that even with you. He's picking up the stake and he's moving it a bit to expand your territory, to see things you haven't seen before, to get a bigger perspective of his heart for people. I have a different perspective coming back for the people that live across the street from me that all we do is wave when we see each other. That I know that they don't know Jesus. 
They believe he was just a good man and a good prophet. But I see them through a different set of lenses. And when I feel a bit more rested, I might go knock <laughs> on the door. <laughs> I'm still trying to catch up. This was the radio. Yep. It, that was quite a, oh, yes. And so besides the marketplace, they do have like a regular grocery store that they had taken us to. And I'm walking down the aisle, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they have pasta and sauce. I had, to I had to send it to my mother and say, listen, Italians really are everywhere. <laughs> and so at the hotel we stayed at, um, the food, they made food whatever we wanted every day. And so I was told that they do pasta. And so one night I had the pasta. And that's what the pasta looked like. And uh, it was good. The, uh, I will tell you this, uh, Brother Edit George, some of you might know who that is from Adonai Ministries. He came to the conference um, a day in, and he stayed at the same hotel we were at, and one evening we were having a meal. It was him, myself, Maureen, Pauline, and Joel. And it was my first introduction to him, and uh, he had thought I was a seasoned world traveler and missions person. And I said, oh no, <laughs> don't be fooled. <laughs> this is my first missions trip. And he said, first? He was very serious. He kind of shook me. He said, uh, your first? He said, Michelle, there are people that are, that grow into doing this stuff. There are people that try to do this stuff. And then there are people that missions is in them. And he was kind of prophetic. And he looked at me and he said, missions is in you. And I was like, oh, God. What? <laughs> Come again? I got back to the room that night and I called Walt and I was like, Walt, Brother Edit George, this is what he told me. And it kind of shook me a bit because he's prophetic and I don't know 100% what this means yet, but he was a wonderful man and he said, you're eating all the food? I did eat the food. The only thing I did not eat was fish because I did not want to chance um, maybe getting sick and I didn't want to chance doing anything to mess up conference and speaking, but ate the food, did just fine, and uh, they were all shocked. In fact, the last night of conference when Brother Edit George got up to kind of wrap things up, he spoke and he said, uh, he spoke to me in English and said some very nice things, but then he spoke to them in French about me, and the interpreter was sitting behind me, and one of the things was he told them, this girl has never been to Africa and she eats all your food. <laughs> oh. So you had an interesting, you had a conversation, I think it was Friday, with the Foursquare missions from France that's also going to the Congo, because I was yes. thinking, what did you sense there in the spirit that's happening? Because there's like four or five different Christian organizations, Foursquare, not going into that region, and how can we pray? Mm -hmm. Because obviously God has chosen that area at, at this time for plowing of the field, so mm -hmm. how, what do you think's going on and how can we pray? Um, 
two things. One, uh, that picture, Madison, you want to put that back up real quick? Oh, I pray over flights every time I get on a flight. I was praying over the flight. The other one with the pastors at the airport. That one. Okay. The gentleman in to the far left in the tan shirt and gray pants, that is the main pastor of the Surrey Church Network. And um, that's when we left the whole group of um, people that worked with him took us to the airport. We were, we had told them they didn't need to wait. They could go, you know, we didn't want to inconvenience them, but they would not have it. They were staying. They were staying until we got safely on our flight. Well, I was so grateful because just like the enemy with the customs agent, um, we get there, we get through um, to the ticketing counter to check in. I get checked in just fine, my bags go, and Maureen and Pauline are flagged. And we don't know why. And so I am not moving, I'm not going through security, I'm staying with my group, I'm not getting on any flight without them. And so um, the, uh, the ticketing had, the flight had changed, and so Pauline and Maureen had not been reissued tickets. And so I looked at the man, I wasn't quiet anymore, and I looked at him and I said, excuse me, so are you telling me that we're not getting on this flight? Well, we, I need to call a manager over. And I said, well, the flight's leaving in about 45 minutes. Are we gonna have this wrapped up so that we can get on the flight? He wasn't sure. Well, here I go again, I just start praying. Well, a gentleman walks over, very nice guy, and he looks at Pauline and he says, um, I was at church today and you spoke. And he goes to their church. Another gentleman behind the counter, he, he sees the group and he says, are you guys with them? And we said, yes, we just wrapped up a women's conference this week, we're with them. Well, he is very well respected and known in the region. You know how Proverbs says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. He has a good name in the region. Well, I am telling you, once they knew that we were with them, I was so grateful they stayed because there was about eight people that came, got behind that counter, got tickets reissued, and then they walked us to the gate and got us on the flight. I tell you this, when you, when God's called you to a work and you stick with it, you stick with doing what God's called you to with integrity of heart and with character, God will move you into places and bring people alongside of you to finish what he wants you to do. And that night, I saw him move things around to get us back on a plane because of a good name mm -hmm. and good character. I had a phone call on Thursday. The gentleman from Foursquare that oversees all of missions in this area of the world. He saw that I went on this trip. This trip was not a Foursquare trip. It was with African Christian Fellowship. So the gentleman saw I went on this trip. His name is Dan Lucero, wonderful man. He's done a great work in this part of the um, world. And so he wanted to know about what we did. 
what we were there for. And we began to have a conversation about what God is doing in this part of the world. And obviously, my perspective was only in regards to women and what we were there for. And if there are some clear points to be taken, number one is this. They are absolute, the men are open to God beginning to move out and push out women to do what God's called them to do. They're open to it. In fact, that pastor, the first night of conference, he said to everybody, I've been getting phone calls from other ministers in the area that have seen the posters, that heard us on the radio, and they called him saying, what are you doing having these women come and speak in your church? These are friends. Are they bringing their Western culture and they're going to start teaching your women to act like they do over in America? He said it was kind of like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So see, in their culture, he is having to make inroads to even begin for this kind of ministry to happen. So if you are the praying type for missions, I would ask for you to keep in prayer this part of the world, that one for him, that God will continue to use him. It's like he is a spearhead to ministry and to inroads for ministry, that God will continue to give him the strength to release women to do what God's called them to do. And that the Lord would continue to make himself real and reveal himself to women in Point Noir and in the Congo. That he would, kind of like Damascus Road experiences, that he would make himself real. They don't need me over there to tell them about Jesus. Jesus can show up and make himself real to them and their life be changed forever. We need an awakening in that part of the world where women are concerned. They are beautiful. They are strong. They are strong, fierce women called to do great things. Well, let's pray. You know, I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, believers know they get to heaven, but disciples understand that there's rewards with what they do for the Lord. And so remember, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but who got the increase? The Lord. And so that's what we do when we go is it's his harvest field, it's his work, he wants us to use his tools, uh, but he gets the increase. But whether you prayed or gave, however it is, you get that increase on you as well too, because even though she went, it was like we went. You and I didn't get to look into eyes there, hold kids or, or preach, but it was like you did because you were, you were part of that. And that's what's so important that for what, why and whatever God wanted to focus in that area for this time to plant his word and we're all a part of that. So let's pray uh, together because God is up to something and doing something in there and he wants us to be people that pray. So Lord, we thank you for that region of the world. We thank you for African Christian Fellowship that had on their heart this vision and they didn't give up. 
they press through and difficult uh, to work with certain leadership. But Lord, you had a witness. You had boots on the ground. You had your word proclaimed. You had people that had hands laid on them. You had people that were demon-possessed and they were freed. You had people that their bodies were healed, but you had the love of God that was shown, that people would come to show you that love. And so, Lord, as, as we pray, we think of that area. Let us never look at Africa again and look somewhere else, but let us look to say God had a voice at a specific time for a reason, and he's not done, he's still at work. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you awaken our hearts, that we look at this world, not in countries or nation, but we look at it with your eyes. They're your children. And Father, that you awaken us to pray, to pray. Lord, for every pastor that's already met, every pastor's wife, I pray that what was deposited would stir up and become an overflow in them. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.